0: Guys, I have a question for you. How much content do you consume? It's a fair question to ask, right? Most of us probably overdose on reading, watching, and listening to content. There's so much great content available that it's hard to resist really. We can argue that most of us need to be more structured, disciplined, and focused. And I have an interesting approach in that field. Um, I can called, uh, I'm on a thing that I can call like content diet. Basically, I consume content selectively and uh, I rely on a few uh, go-to resources, uh, but try away, try to stay ab- uh, above the fray and it allows me to be strategic about content consumption as opposed to gorging out at the content buffet you know uh, i try to consume only the things that will make help me get better and get uh, closer to achieving my goals and these are the topics that uh, i talk about on a podcast uh, hosted by by mark evans Uh, it's called marketing spark the b2b marketing podcast and uh, i talked about how to embrace a healthy content diet so um this is the episode I'm sharing with you today and it would give me a huge pleasure if you listen to it, if you think about the things that I'm saying over there and get back to me with a feedback or with a note, if that help you get better in the way you consume content and in the way you create content. So off to the episode.
1: You're listening to Marketing Spark, the podcast that delivers insight, tools, and tips from marketers and entrepreneurs in the trenches in 20 minutes or less. Over the past six months, I've reached out to many marketers to do this podcast. Some have specific expertise, and others offer great and interesting insight into marketing strategies and tactical execution. One of these people is Nemanja Divkovic, the CEO of Funky Marketing in Serbia. Welcome to Marketing Spark.
0: Hey, man, thanks for having me.
1: You've got a very active presence on LinkedIn, and you cover a wide variety of topics. And one of the topics that jumped out to me recently was your interest in brand positioning. And I've noticed growing interest among B2B brands in differentiating themselves and really carving out a distinct profile in the marketplace. And I'm curious from your perspective and the work that you've done with clients, is why do you think B2B companies struggle with differentiation?
0: Well, There are are multiple reasons for that, basically, because uh, they don't know who they are uh, as themselves. So when somebody has started the company, they didn't think about their story and what is their story. They didn't then hire people based on their story. They didn't create the culture, the values, and they didn't build on that. So... Kind of, it's always about about the basics and how we cover the, the foundation. And then when we start developing the company and everything st- still should be like bland. And uh, then we we just fit in within, within the, the whole marketplace. B2B has always been a place where like everything is foggy, blurry. People tend to not to, uh, to be different, not to stand out. We're just doing our job, talking about ourselves, talking about our products, our features. B2B companies are still thinking about the, their target group as the company, like as the object, not as we have a certain specific person from that company that we need to target. So those are all, all the reasons why it's happening.
1: One of the interesting things that if you look at the MarTech landscape, now there are thousands and thousands of companies and no B2B company has a unique, there's no, none of them are unique. There's dozens, if not hundreds of companies doing the exact same thing with the exact same benefits and features, yet differentiation is still something they struggle with. You would think that they would double down on trying to carve out brand positioning that's compelling and distinct. Is it? Is it because it's hard or is it because they're just
0: not focused on it? It's definitely hard and it's something that you need to work on persistently. Uh, And their uh, way of seeing the differentiation is kind of different and not right. I think nobody have influenced them uh, when it comes to differentiation, when it comes to what does it mean to be different. Like one of the examples that I saw like I think two weeks ago is the company that when I asked them, like they are doing the online events software, And I asked them like, why are you different from all the others? This is a competitive industry, competitive field. So what differentiate you from the others? They say like, we have the lowest price. It's something that cannot be your differentiator because like tomorrow you, somebody else might lower their prices. And then what happens? You lose the only differentiation that you think you have. And uh, a lot of those companies, especially in the field where I am in like B2B tech. Uh, and software companies, uh, a lot of them have as their biggest asset, the people. And somehow they struggle to uh, to show those assets to the world. And by doing that, just by doing that, they will differentiate themselves. But uh, because there are multiple reasons, because they are not doing it. And some of the things are they are still afraid what they might write, let's say, on LinkedIn, what they may say, what some things... They can think about the company. They might hurt them. There's a fear present. The reasons for all all this uh, is basically the lack of culture, the lack of uh, values in the company and the lack of culture. One of the ways that many B2B companies have tried to
1: stand out this year is through a focus on content marketing. But I would suggest that a lot of it has been... A lot of it has to do with publication, creation and publication. There hasn't been enough emphasis on successful content distribution. When you work with clients or you look at the B2B landscape in general, what are some best practices that you are suggesting to make sure content is discovered? Because one thing to make content is another thing to actually have it consumed and do whatever you need it to do, whether it's attract leads or build brand awareness or attract media attention any thoughts on successful content distribution
0: yeah that's a great topic and we can continue from what we just talked about so people uh, that work in those companies those are like the great points of uh, for the content distribution when we start working with companies a lot of them have already published content on the on the website this is actually uh, in most cases uh, good content based on the SEO but written only for for the search engine, not written for the for the people. And it's possibly shared one or two times on the company pages and probably uh, just employees uh, saw it, maybe their friends or relatives, and that's it. Like the, those are not their target groups and people for whom they are creating the content. So, uh, to be able to distribute it to the right people, we need to do a lot of, a lot of different, different things. First one is that we need to create the content with those people that we are targeting. So we, we need to invite clients, people from our target groups, target companies to come and create content with us, kind of like uh, the thing that we are doing right now. So recording podcast, maybe also recording, recording video distributing that a, then on a, on YouTube when it comes to video, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever when it comes to to the audio. Then uh, figuring out the platform where our target group is. So let's say B2B, it's mostly on, on LinkedIn. So then we repurpose that content in five to eight pieces of content, smaller ones, up to 10 minutes because of the LinkedIn limitation. So we have like audiograms, we have... Uh, videos with headlines with transcriptions then we have also quotes from those things then we can come up with blog posts like hire a ghost writer to write a blog post out of those things and we get a lot just from from few buckets of content then we, we can share it also on Medium we can uh, share it on Zest on all different kind of platforms if we involve even even Reddit and maybe Quora then you see how we get from one piece of content, we get so many different touches with, with the potential clients and the audience and we give them the choice to kind of choose their own way of how uh, they're going to learn from us, how they're going to interact with us and eventually when they're educated enough, come and convert or buy, buy from us.
1: But that's a lot of work. I mean, you have to obviously have the content in the first place, then you have to create a distribution strategy and then you have to repurpose all the content. So how do you organize that? How should someone, for example, take a podcast and then carve it up and to different, different pieces so that you can distribute it to the different platforms and the different
0: services? Actually, it's, it's not that hard. In Funky Marketing, it was just three of us and we managed to distribute content to a lot, of, a lot of places is just about how you figure out the, the priorities. So the first person that I hired was the video editor. So we can, we can edit the videos, repurpose them and create uh, different kind of, uh, batches of videos outside of, uh, of, one of main content pillars. And, uh, it's also how you, how you actually create the content. If you create the content with distribution in mind. So, uh, let's say we create the podcast, you ask questions, then I answer, then, uh, we go in the circles. So we actually create the content purposely for distribution. And, uh, this is actually how, how thing, how we do it, you know, just create the content with distribution in mind, not with search engines in mind, but it should be the content that is consumable by the people. Also, one yeah. of the things that, that I forgot to mention before is advertising. Facebook and Instagram advertising, especially in B2B, people don't consider it as as a successful um, channel. But it's because they are uh, always trying to get leads. But those channels are very good for distributing content, so so the right people can can consume it. This is also one of the things that can accelerate. For the content strategy to work, and can uh, shorten the the sales cycle as well. It really is interesting to look
1: at how content is being created, and and the fact that the of the matter is a lot of content is still being tailored for search engines, and as opposed to as you said earlier, people. And I think that's a really interesting insight. And I think one LinkedIn post that you published recently that caught my attention is you talked about why you don't pay for online courses or paid communities and you only consume content from a few people. And I'm really curious about why you take that approach and as important, how do you improve and upgrade your marketing skills?
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, I made a, made a point based on, based on like, it's I think my 10th year uh, working in marketing. And when I started, I knew how to do, let's say community, social media, the one thing that that was missing was the SEO. So the, the agency when it started to work, they gave me uh, access to multiple online courses. And um, I listened first to some of them covering the SEO, then I started to implement it. And I think that was the maybe two or three courses, the only ones that I ever enrolled. Uh, I didn't pay for them. The, the company paid uh, and I don't have anything against like paying for anything that will give me value, but I just didn't find something that, uh, that will help me help me learn. I usually learn by, by doing by interacting with people. And that's why I, I created sort of like my own way of consuming content. I consume a lot of things on, on YouTube. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I think year and a half ago, I decided I don't need to follow social media week or those kind of like huge platforms that the uh, media, they're talking about social media, what are the trends, what's going to happen. I just need to focus on a, on a few people since I'm focusing on B2B, on inbound, there are like less than five people that are doing something that is revolutionary in the field. And I need to focus uh, on them and like kind of, Try to learn from them. Try to compare some things that they are doing to what uh, I'm doing, and that's how how I improve. And I also focus on two different things. First one is um, always innovating, always having like a client which is possibly startup, so I can get in the dirt and see what's going on. Because like from the dirt, you can you can predict what's going to happen. Uh, afterwards, not by just seeing the seeing the big picture. The big picture is being seen by being involved in the dirt, and uh, also the the second one is talking with uh, with the clients, current and uh, and potential one. Like I'm spending two to three hours a day just talking with with people doing doing different things and sharing experiences, and that's actually how how I grow and how I learn.
1: Just out of curiosity, that small group of marketers who you follow, do you want to reveal any of them? Or are they kind of like the Nemanja secret?
0: Yeah, let's say, I mean, I learned a lot from Chris Walker.
1: Yes, um, a lot of
0: people do. Yeah, some of the things that, that he's doing, um, I've been doing a lot because uh, we worked in different industries, but I also come from, from B2C uh, background. And I kind of uh, saw that some things that I was doing, I kind of recognized that he was talking about it. So, okay, it makes sense. Jake Dunlop is one from sales that I love because he's talking a lot lot about life, sales, um, sales being involved in marketing, marketing being involved in sales, alignment, those kind of things. Also, uh, Dave Gerhard has always been, uh, been a guy that's doing something differently i remember um it was 2018 i think uh where i was director of operation in the previous agency where i work at uh we ordered conversational marketing the the book that uh, dave and david Cancel wrote and like two weeks after we we got we got the book the postman came and we received another book called it won't scale the the small books book of like think 47 uh, things that Drift has done uh, to create the hyper company and we didn't order that book they just send it over from US to, to Serbia for free for us as an additional value and then I I saw that actually they are doing really good things and that's how you how you give value to somebody that you don't even know and lives in a different content and yeah those are like maybe three people that I'm following. Also, Peplaya is one of one of those that I'm following for, for a long time. We just recorded the podcast together. So kind of interesting how, how the things are going. You know, there are people that you look up to, that you compare yourself to, and then you start cooperating with them and working with them, and things move to the next level.
1: Interesting about Dave Gethart, because he has this community, I think, of more than 10,000 people now who pay $10 a month to access, I guess, exclusive content and other things that you can't get if you're not a subscriber. So what do you think of those type of communities where you're paying $10 or $15 a month? How does it align with your view of not paying for a lot of marketing?
0: Mm -hmm. I think I'm uh, a member of that community, (laughs) actually the only one just intrigued to find out what's going on out there and how are things going but like i'm okay with that if that is something that um that works for you i think limiting the access to your community is a short-term goal that can give you a lot in the short term but you if you focus on the long term um this is not something that i would do or something that i would recognize i also have the community of like 2500 people on on facebook it was it's a private community, but it's always open depending on, like, how people answer a few questions. Um, and we just give value over there, not trying to sell them anything or not trying to, to do anything else. But um, in Dave's case, I think because it's a, it's a paid community, it gives him the chance to also do some other stuff and to involve maybe other uh, content creators, other professionals, and to grow more the community. I think he's going, uh, doing a really good, good job with that.
1: So let's talk about Funky Marketing, which I think launched earlier this year. Is that true? Does it, is it a relatively new company?
0: Yeah, January 13th.
1: So just before COVID, it must have been an interesting year. And I'm wondering what it's been like to run a digital agency, digital marketing agency this year. And you know, What's it like to work with clients and what are they looking for as opposed to what they may have been doing pre-COVID?
0: And what are some of the biggest business lessons that you've learned this year? Yeah, it's kind of, it was an interesting development because um, I left the, the previous agency where I work at just before it was in October that year and um, I, I was preparing the wedding and I didn't have any any money left on the side. So I just sat down and wrote what is going to happen in the next three months and uh, ending with January when I'm going to register the company and just executed on that. And that's how, how I started. At first, I didn't know who I was targeting, I just knew that I want to focus on inbound, on brand, because I was working in performance marketing and uh, uh, on a high level. And uh, I saw it work, but I saw it that it also has a plateau, and it works until you have the budget. But like, uh, if you want to grow more and continue growing, then you need to invest in inbound. You need to invest in brand, in content. I was always like the guy who was investing in his personal brand and content. And that's how how everything everything started I actually landing the first client in like five hours after we published the landing page. Uh, it was just a simple landing page with a, with a CTA and uh, and download the the strategy of like uh, 30 pages with examples that, um, and results that I have with other clients. So it's, it can be a document of value even with a, without them hiring us. So that's kind of the start when the COVID started, we, a lot of clients reached out to me. They wanted uh, me to take over some other stuff that I didn't do at the time because it was easier for them to, uh, instead of hiring someone to, uh, to get to us. So uh, the first, the previous plan was for me to take a year to learn more about entrepreneurship because I knew about marketing, but entrepreneurship was something different but it doesn't go as you imagine. So I, I needed to hire people. Actually, they found me because they love my story. They love the, the brand and everything that I was building. So they reached out to me. That's how I hired two guys, which are still with us. And some of the clients that I started to work, they're also still with us. Um, and I, we are ending the year like closing 31 clients doing exactly what uh the strategies that we are selling to the clients. So kind of uh, proving that some things are working and it's kind of different. Uh, when I compare this year to the previous year, uh, overall like e-commerce space grew, grew a lot. I think we we move like maybe 10 or even 12 years in the future. Uh, within a few months, people um and needed to, to do the digital transformation faster. They needed to open online shops, they needed to transform their businesses and kind of change the whole narrative and the way people think about things. Also it changed uh, the way they look at the content, that thing that you mentioned, uh, because the content became more something that is relevant because they, they couldn't focus on advertising when it comes to pandemic and those kind of things. Uh, That's, I think, how how the narrative was changed. Now, what's going to happen in the next year? Probably we're going to move more towards customers. We're going to go to meet them halfway, even more than that, because we are seeing what um, B2C companies are doing, like Spotify, Netflix, Airbnb, some great examples. And there people will expect that from also from Coca-Cola, from other companies, and especially from B2B companies. And I think uh, it will change the way uh, B2B companies actually do marketing because they will need to invest in creativity, in feelings, in emotions, in people before everything else.
1: Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So what do you mean in terms of this focus on customers? I mean, is it different types of content? Is it interacting with customers directly? What's involved in terms of this shift that you envision?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, we can, we can even talk using, using some, some of the examples, not like Netflix, Airbnb or some else. But when it comes to that, uh, if you are using them, you know that they are giving you personalized experience. So based on, uh, on how you consume their services, their product, they are recommending you what you should do next. And they are interacting with you in that way on social media, through the email. Uh, in all kind of different forms, and uh, just let's just take a look at like what um, Gravy, for example, is doing or Gong, how their people from their companies are interacting with others on LinkedIn. This is by focusing on personal brands of the people in front of the company. They are meeting uh, their potential customers over there. They are talking with them every day, engaging not only through personal profiles, but on the company pages. Um, an example, like Gong even organized the, the party on Zoom and they were sharing the songs or their comp- LinkedIn company page and discuss uh, like who likes hip hop, who likes gangsta, um, funk, who likes some other things. And it was like totally a party on the LinkedIn page. And it's totally some other experience, which... Before that, we limited to, to B2C companies.
1: That's going to be a really interesting trend to watch this year. Now, speaking of music, you recently published a year-end playlist featuring 940 songs. I think that's enough. Those are enough songs to get you through the entire holiday. Tough question for you. Who is your favorite ar- artist of 2020?
0: Yes, it's, 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 the, it's the playlist where I'm adding songs as I, as I like something I just added to the, to the playlist. In, That's a tough question. I, I apologize for asking that because you must uh, like yeah, a lot of cool. music. It's cool. Usually people don't ask, and I love to talk about uh, to talk about music. Like outside, hybrid minds or maybe Saint John. Like those are like two artists that I that I was listening to the most. And then there are always like some some classics that I'm listening to, like Liam Gallagher, Bruce Springsteen, Leonard Cohen. Those are like people that I'm always listening. To, you know, no matter which year it is.
1: Well I think that anyone who likes The Boss is a good person in my mind. I've seen him in concert a lot. If I can give you a suggestion, at least from the Canadian perspective, there's a band called The Arkels, which have done they've done some really great work and they're amazing to see live. So maybe one day they'll eventually make their way to Serbia and you'll be able to see a Canadian band in action.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting? Like the first marketing agency that I work at was was uh, an agency based in based in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, it was like half half Serbian, half US, half Canadian agency, like the found, there were two founders, all both were from Serbia, but one of them moved to Toronto, like when he was a kid, and it it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it is a very small world, and what I've discovered from
1: LinkedIn this year is that the world is a big place, but you can connect with people anywhere and everywhere, and our ability to connect via LinkedIn and being able to do this podcast. It's just some of the value that I've seen from LinkedIn this year. And I really want to thank you from, for being on the podcast. It's great to get your insight. It's really interesting to get different perspectives from people who live in different places. We're looking forward to seeing you in 2021. One final question. If people want to learn more about you and Funky Marketing, where do they go online?
0: I think we're everywhere. Like Mostly uh, LinkedIn. There's a Facebook group also called Funky Marketing. Funky Marketing on YouTube, uh, on Anchor. There are like a few podcasts. Uh, we are organizing Funky Marketing podcast, also b b weekly podcast. But I mean, just type Funky Marketing in Google search and I think that is the right way to, to get to us.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Marketing Spark. If you enjoyed the conversation, leave a review and subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast app. For show notes of today's conversation and information about Nemanja, visit marketingspark.co, funky marketing. If you have questions, feedback, I'd like to suggest a guest or want to learn more about how I help B2B companies as a fractional CMO, consultant, and advisor, send an email to mark at marketingspark.co. I'll talk to you next time.